Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. This is the Mid-Major Madness Podcast. We don't have a uh, better name than that, but that is what we are for right now. I am Russ Feinberg. I am joined by my uh, co-manager of this blog here, Greg Mitchell. Greg, are you there? I am. How's it going, Russ? Wow, I'm shocked. I'm good. I'm shocked that this worked right away. And it had the music too, and the nice English lady. So it was. Uh, I think we're off to a good start. I think we are too. Of course, unless somebody like tells me in a minute that you know they're listening to silence and we're just here talking to ourselves about college basketball, which maybe isn't the worst uh, way to spend our time anyway. I was going to say, yeah. Let's uh, let's be optimistic and yeah. <laughs> All right. So. We are here. We are two days before the start of the college basketball season. Such an exciting, exciting time, um, as always. So what we're going to do here tonight, we're going to preview the upcoming season a little bit, talk about some of the big games going on this weekend, talk about some of the stuff that we're doing on the site, Um, apparently this service that we're using allows you to call in, and I didn't know how to deactivate that. So, you know, let's have some fun. If you're listening, call in, and I guess we'll talk to you. (laughs) Hopefully we'll have some answers. Probably not, but, you know, we could could pretend to. The great part part about college basketball is that I'm told it is where the unexpected becomes the ordinary. So, you know, we don't know what to expect. Um, let's start. Actually, you know what? I, I think a good way for us to start would be to just look at the mid-major preseason top 25 that we put out um, a few days ago, or I guess it was now uh, a little over a week ago, mm-hmm. because I think then we could start talking about some of the top teams in the country, teams that might, you know, be able to make a run to the Final Four or teams that can go deep into the NCAA tournament. And in our top 25, it starts with Gonzaga at number one, St. Mary's number two, two West Coast Conference teams that are picked, you know, in, in the preseason polls overall, very close together. Seems like half the world has, in opinion, you know, that Gonzaga should be ahead, the other half of St. Mary's. Two very even teams, and Greg, I, I want to know who who had your first place vote and why? Well, I had Gonzaga, and, you know, I think this is kind of fascinating because it's, you know, the a classic, a, classic a disagreement between a continuity with St. Mary's with almost all their major uh, players returning versus the Gonzaga team, which while they lose a lot, like uh, Demantis Sabonis, um, they also add in a lot of um, high-level uh, talent, um, like Nigel Williams, uh, uh, Nigel Williams, uh, Goss, uh, Jonathan Williams, uh, Jordan Matthews. Um, haven't played together, you know, in an official game, but uh, there's a lot of high-level uh, talent there. So while I think Gonzaga may it may take them a few weeks for that all to come together, and it, makes them, it may take them a few months for that to happen. I think 
at the end of the day, they are the team probably from the, from the mid-major ranks because of that talent with, the, i say, the best shot to get to the Final Four. Yeah, you know, I, I, th- I think you're right. The, the intriguing thing about St. Mary's, which was a very good team last year, is that they return the core of their team, their experience. Um, the schedule that they have is one where I think we're going to learn a lot about them right away. They open up with Nevada um, on Friday night, and then a week later they play Dayton. Uh, those two schools, are, yeah, are both ranked in our poll, Dayton number four, receiving one first place vote, and Nevada number 25. So we're going to learn a lot about them early on. They also play UAB. I was going to say that's uh, And Arlington. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They, they've they got a tough schedule. We're going to know if they're good very, very quickly. UC Irvine um, also is a, a favorite in, in, you know, in their conference. So there's certainly a, I didn't I didn't realize how much a mid-major heft they had on that schedule. I, I didn't either until I until I pulled it up right in front of me. And then you know you it gets go kind into, of soft there towards the end, but but yeah, no, that's yeah. that's impressive. Yeah, and, and then you go into uh, WCC play, you get two against BYU and two against Gonzaga. So the the problem they had last year, if I recall correctly. Uh, when they did not make the NCAA tournament, they had an excellent record. They were 29 and six, um, 15 and three in the conference. Is that they did not have a very strong non-conference schedule. Uh, they didn't have yeah. that signature win, you know, that you could really point to that would put them over the top. They have opportunities for that this year, and if they if they take care of business, they will be an NCAA tournament team. We'll see what they could do from there. Um, just looking at their Ken Palm page right now, they were one of the most efficient teams in the country on offense, uh, number three in the nation in effective field goal percentage. Um, and, you know, like I said, they, they return just about everybody. They did not have a senior uh, on last year's roster. So, it's going to be a lot of fun uh, to see what they can do. And Gonzaga as well, I think you hit the nail on the head when talking about them. They're certainly loaded with talent. Nobody's going to deny that. They haven't played together yet. Um, They have some big-time transfers who haven't played in a year. Maybe there will be a hiccup or two early on, but that's a team that you would expect to really gel at the right time down the stretch. Absolutely, and then just to go back to St. St. Mary's real quick, you know, they do play early on here. You know, we, as you said, we expect them to have a very efficient offense, but, you know, they see a Nevada team which has a guy in a Cameron Oliver who is probably going to play at the next level, and a lot of that is because of his defense. Um, so, you know, you expect Nevada uh, probably to be a, a, you know, a pretty solid defensive team. And then also a Dayton, which, you know, should have a very good defensive team as well. So I think that'll be a nice early a test of, you know, how, how much that offense uh, carries over from last year, which you would expect it to with all the returning, um, all the returning guys on that team. Yeah, and, you know, you, you bring up Dayton. Let's jump across the country now because 
Gonzaga, St. Mary's, we have one and two. Three and four, we have two A-10 teams in Rhode Island and Dayton. Um, VCU not far behind them at number six. We've talked Mm -hmm. about the Atlantic 10 extensively. I know that's your area of expertise. Um, Between all of our voters... You're putting the pressure on me now. uh, Well, you know, that's that's why you're here. (laughs) But but between all, all of our voters, we ended up with Rhode Island ahead of Dayton, albeit just barely... Um, I know that the name that comes to the top of everyone's mind when talking about Rhode Island is E.C. Matthews, finally healthy, a player of the year candidate in that conference. Do you trust Rhode Island ahead of Dayton and VCU, or do you differ there? You know, I think I, think I do trust them. Um, I think they bring a lot of what Gonzaga has in terms of just a lot of really good players. You know, everyone talks about E.C. Matthews, but that team is loaded with very good players. Hassan Martin is an NBA prospect. Uh, Curran Iverson may be a fringe NBA prospect, you know, but he really showed something with his ability to shoot uh, from outside last year. So, you know, and he he does a lot down in the post, too, as a rim protector. Um, You know, there's a lot of high-end talent on that that squad. Um, And I guess the question that I don't – everybody's kind of assuming E.C. Matthews right away is going to be at all-conference form, that uh, the injury of the year off, and I believe it was a knee injury. Is that right? I I believe so, and it happened in their first game of the season. First game. So, I mean, there's no reason to think that he's not going to be what he was before. But, um, you know, I think think that's something that no one's really considered. Um, And he could come out in his first game, score 25 points, and put all doubts to rest. Uh, but that's something certainly to watch is this assumption that he is going to be, again, you know, a guy that's going to be up for all league honors. Um, because if he's not, obviously the Rams did not have the greatest year last year. They were okay. Um, and they had other injuries besides E.C. Matthews uh, throughout the year. But um, I think it's going to be important to see how he plays early on just to see if, if he can be that X factor that kind of elevates them above where they were last year. And if he is, you know, they certainly, on this list, besides Gonzaga, maybe San Diego State, um, I think they've got the depth of talent that would make them a team that could go far in March. Yeah, I I agree with you there. Um, the Atlantic 10 is a conference that always has, you know, one or two teams. Did you say that about? Sometimes it doesn't quite materialize, but those those three, Rhode Island, Dayton, VCU, I think are all going to be teams that we're talking about um, all season long. And one one common thread among them, among those three, is they're all experienced teams. Yes, absolutely. Especially at the uh, guard position, which, as we know, is really important, especially in March. Right, right. I mean, Scoochie's now, won a lot of games. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, finish your, uh, finish your thought. Well, I was going to say, I thought it was, I remember when they announced the uh, the uh, Koozie Award watch list, uh, Scoochie Smith of Dayton, their point guard, um, he had a tweet out that well, that was not very uh, cryptic at all, saying, I guess, yeah, I don't know what the, exactly, but it was uh, to the effect of, I guess, I don't uh, care about a team to win, right? Because he's been on some very good teams there for a very good coach. Um, so a guy like that, a guy like uh, uh, Jaquan Lewis at VCU, those are, you know, certainly very quality teams that um, – I, I would have faith are not, you know, even if they don't reach the heights that seem possible, I, I, I'm confident they're not going to uh, disappoint entirely. 
Yeah, I I agree. And the the one team though that is up there that we kind of glossed over now, just looking at our top twenty five because they're not in the A ten, they're not in the West Coast. The team that I'm not sold on yet, at least, is Wichita State. And, and they have I'm glad you said that because we're 100 percent in agreement yeah. there. So I hope there's they an angry shocker fan on right now, which would be great. Uh, I'm sorry. I hope there's an angry Shockers fan on right now that can uh, disagree. Oh, there with probably that. is. There okay. probably is. Um, but the the thing is that they obviously lost a lot from last year. They don't have the experience that Rhode Island, Dayton, VCU, St. Mary's, Gonzaga to an extent has. Now, Chris uh, Chris McKee, one of, one of our writers, and Chris, by the way, if you are listening, what the heck, call in, we could talk about it. He watched Wichita State play um, in Canada. They did that. Uh, they did that tour over the summer, and he came away pretty skeptical. Now, obviously, summer exhibition games. There's not a whole lot you can tell, but if you remember, Greg Marshall threw that temper tantrum up there. The frustration was visible. It might be a team yeah. that takes a little bit to find its footing. Now. It's not this, they're not going to be a, a bad team. You look at who they are bringing back. There is some talent there. Um, I, Marcus McDuffie, uh, freshman last year, uh, figures to be very good. I'm interested to see what Wichita State can get out of Connor Frankamp. Remember, he is that transfer from Kansas, came to Kansas with a lot of uh, hype, never really – materialized. I think there was some off-the-court clashes there. He ended up transferring. Mm-hmm. This maybe oh, he did. I do, I, do, I do remember he did play well, I believe, in the tournament um, against Stanford, I think. It was the year they had Andrew Wiggins, and they lost to Stanford. Um, and I know he had yeah, kind of a, that you know, was like a freshman year. Mm-hmm, right, and it was like, wow, this guy, this guy's the future, because he was a local kid. I believe he's from Wichita, I, I, I think. Um, yeah, he, he's and, you know, it, I know that. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like everything was going to work out, and then yeah, here he is, and has the potential to really be the guy. You know, after these two, you know, school hall of famers are now gone. So it's in itself that's a compelling story. Right. So I, I'm looking at his numbers now from his year at mm-hmm. Kansas, uh, 2014. His playing time was sporadic. He never scored more than five points in a game until their first round tournament game against Eastern Kentucky when he scored 10. And then he shot four okay. for seven for three in that game against Stanford that you talked about, had 12 points, then ended up transferring. And he had his moments uh, last year for Wichita State, had a very good game against Arizona um, in the tournament. That was a win for Wichita State. Had a pair of uh, 14 point games in conference play at 13 against Seton Hall. He had his moments. If he can take that next step, then, you know, Wichita State can be a quality team. And they are in a conference this year, the Missouri Valley, that does seem to be up for grabs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and I don't know if this is the right time to talk about it, but that's that, um, as we were going to talk about some stories to watch this year, uh, that was something I wanted to ask you about whether you think. There is an opportunity now uh, within the Missouri Valley with Van Vliet and uh, Baker gone 
And that's not to say, I mean, I think we can have faith in, in a, a Greg Marshall. I mean, we, we elected him yesterday, right, on the site. <laughs> right, um, we did. So a, a lot of people have faith in him. And, you know, they've been really good. I was, I was going back to say since, you know, for about six years. So it's gone through a few uh, cycles of uh, classes. So it, it, it wasn't just Van Vliet and uh, Baker and uh, Clanton early, but, you know, it's been, there's certainly been some continuity there of success. But, you know, there, I, I think there is an opportunity there in the NBC. But the problem I see is that uh, besides Ben uh, Jacobson at UNI, the, you know, there's no real coaching, you know, oomph in that league right now, it seems. So, you know, I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Well, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. And if there, if there was ever a time for a team that's not Northern Iowa or Wichita State to emerge, this, this is the year. Um, and the team, I think the sort of sexy pick is Illinois State to mm-hmm. maybe win the league, maybe challenge for a tournament bid, at least put a scare into – Wichita State, and Northern Iowa. But now they've been going through some internal problems of their own. They had a trio of players arrested um, recently that kind of throws a wrench into things. We don't quite know how that's going to shake out. So the Missouri Valley, I think, overall is very, very hard to pin down. Um, I would say if if I had to pick a, a favorite in the league, I think I would still play it safe and say Wichita State because they do have a lot of talent. Um, but it would not shock me if Illinois State got its act together and put together an excellent year. Uh, you can't count out Northern Iowa either. And something that I, I have always liked about the Missouri Valley is that for the most part, it's a pretty balanced league. Now, you know, you have your top couple of teams every year, but Southern Illinois, Missouri State, uh, Illinois State, obviously, uh, Indiana State, until the last couple of years, Drake, they're all decent programs. There there aren't very many games on that schedule year to year that you can look at and just go, okay, that's a win. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's, that's, a great that's point. one of the things that makes the league so much fun. It, it makes the league so much fun, and it makes that tournament uh, in St. Louis every year so much fun. Absolutely, and I, you know, I think you can see the potential in all the programs for, you know, if things were to go right, they're in, you know, they're situated in such a way where, you know, you can have solid teams, whether it's Evansville and Indiana State being within the state of Indiana and access to all that high school talent. Um, you know, Illinois State or Loyola, in their proximity to Chicago, you know, I don't know how much that really matters in the end, but it makes them, you know, a little bit more um, exciting or, you know, sexy because of that. Um, you know, there's, there's certainly a potential there and um, it's a fun league. And I do, you know, uh, just to add in here at the end, I do feel bad for Evansville just because it seemed like, you know, they had a DJ uh, uh, Valentine and, um, I'm a Lithuanian myself, and I'm not going to say his name right here next. Uh, 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 Mo- uh Kevichis. I do okay there. You think? Maybe <laughs> I don't know. But we're going to make those you two that were. Now. Yeah. No. No. Thank you. No. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you know, they. I would say those are probably two of the you know better uh, players that they've ever had in that program. Uh, 
uh, uh, I believe a Ballantyne left as their all-time leading scorer. Um, those are some good teams they have. They just happen to line up in the same same years against Van Vliet and Baker, uh, 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 and it just didn't, you know, it didn't work out for them. So it's for them, I feel bad that they kind of go down to rebuilding now. Um, whereas if it had been one year further, that team would probably now be the favorite in the league. Yeah, you, you could very well be be right. And I was, as you were talking, I was looking at uh, at that team, and it, it's one you don't really hear about them. You don't hear about the Purple Aces. They've been good, twenty five and yeah. nine last year, twenty four and twelve, uh, consistent. You know, Ken Tom top one fifty kind of team. So and I believe they, you know, I believe they lost to you and I. On, on a last-second shot in Arch Manning. They did, year, right? That Is that right? Yeah, Wes Washington. Yes, that's right. They were very Washington. close. Wes Wa- yeah. Washington. I have to hear you say it now after getting Wes Washington. There it is. Okay. Wes Washington. There you go. See? It doesn't sound right when you say it. No, no. But, but yeah, so, again, that's that's a program I may have a soft spot because I, I talked to Marty Simmons over the summer um, for a story. Um, but, you know, it just – with a couple of guys of that caliber um, having never made the NCAA tournament that um, you certainly feel for them as you feel for anyone who, who, who did not get a chance to make it. Yeah. Um, for sure. And you mentioned that game, that championship game of the uh, Missouri Valley tournament last year. I remember watching that game and that ending for Northern Iowa. Could you possibly end your season on three more exhilarating games than they <laughs> did in that say, championship yeah. game and those first two games of the NCAA tournament? I'm sure that took years off of uh, ben, Jacobson's, ben Jacobson's life um, having oh, to yeah. watch that. If you think about you know the obsessive personalities that I'm sure you, you probably have to have to be a coach in the Division One level, that had to haunt him this entire off season, right? He had to be replaying every second of that game against A and M. Oh, absolutely. I'm I've watched the end of that game three or four times because I'm blown away by it every time. I watched it live and I was thinking there's there's no way A and M's gonna do this. There's no way, there's no way, there's no way. And they it, it, it was amazing what A&M was able to do. I felt awful for Northern Iowa. Yeah. It played their hearts out. Um, but, you know, they uh, they threw it away at the end, and it, it was an awful way to see guys like uh, Jefferson and Washburn go out. But, yeah. you know, ho- hopefully what they take away from that experience more than that was the end of the Evansville game and that half-court shot against Texas in the first round. Oh, yeah. Those were two extraordinary yeah. moments. A lot of excitement packed into, you know, a few weeks. So, absolutely. And, and also, we, and I guess that, we, oh, we can't sorry, overlook it. We overlook it, but in the Missouri Valley semifinal, they beat Wichita State in overtime by five. So, it was a whole bunch of really close games in the year, and it was just that last one that didn't go their way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, that that, I, and I almost wonder with 
everything they lost, as you just mentioned, do you think we're overvaluing with that, overvaluing them? I, as I go down here in our poll, I know we're kind of going ahead here, but we have them at number 16. Is that, you know, uh, going back to that A&M game, uh, Jeremy uh, Morgan scored 36 points, and he's back, and he, he should be one of the, uh, you know, he should he should be up for all league honors in the NBC. But uh, beyond that, there's not much back from that, you know, very successful team. So I guess I'd ask you, do you think we're overvaluing them there and, you know, perhaps relying on the fact that they do have a great coach. Yeah, well, I, I think they might be benefiting from the same benefit of the doubt that we give Wichita State. Um, we have them at number 16, but if I re- remember correctly, and I don't have each individual poll up in front of me, but there was a lot of variation of where people were put in Northern Iowa. And they're another one of those teams that we just don't quite know right now how good they're going to be. Um, take a look at their schedule. Second game of the season is against Arizona State. Third game is at Xavier. Um, they also play South Dakota State, Iowa, North Carolina. Again, we'll know pretty early on if this is if this team is for real. Uh, so I, I'm interested in seeing it. I, I'm not sold on them, you know, for – an NCAA tournament thing right now, but I wouldn't at all be surprised if they got there. And, no, no, no and I look, absolutely. Yeah, and, and I look at, you know, the teams that we have ranked behind them, 17 to 25, if you were to ask me who I would put ahead of them, you know, maybe Illinois State, I think you could make that argument. Uh, George Washington, despite the turmoil there, they are loaded with talent. Um, Nevada's good, Richmond's good, but there's not, I don't think there's any team that we rank behind them that I'm looking at and I have to say, you know, this, this makes no sense. They're obviously going to be better. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great point. And I think we know college basketball, we've seen, you know, it's a, it's a, it's about the coaches first, right? I mean, that's where the star power is and they've got a great one. So there's absolutely no reason yeah, they, why. They do. It's, yeah. I mean, there's no reason it's, and, it's irrational to – I think they'll do well, certainly. Yeah, and, you know, credit to the Missouri Valley Conference for keeping their superstar coaches at their programs because you know Jacobson and Marshall have had opportunities to go elsewhere, and they've stayed, and the league and mid-major basketball as a whole has really benefited from that. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, you know, we we talked about West Coast Conference, and by the way, we should also point out BYU in that league is going to be very good. Uh, They lose a lot from last year. They have a lot returning as well. I think they will be, when it's all said and done, a tournament team. We'll have to see. We've talked about the West Coast Conference. We've talked about the A-10. Now talked about the Valley. One league that's had some shakeup over the last couple of days, but one that everybody loves to talk about because it's a heck of a lot of fun, is the Ivy League. Princeton comes in at number nine in our poll. Harvard, number 14. Receiving votes is Yale, but Yale got some awful Probably not news. anymore. Right. They got some terrible yeah. news losing Makai Mason for the season. 
Um, I think there were a lot of people who were looking at our poll and saying, you know, this doesn't make sense. I think Yale is going to be better than Harvard. And we have Harvard up in the top 15 and Yale not even ranked. Um, I think you could have definitely made that argument. Now, I don't know. Harvard's a pretty good team. They have uh, Gianni Chambers back. Princeton is opening the season number 35 in Ken Palm, which is probably a little high, but impressive nonetheless. Yeah, Might that, not be that, a two-horse race turned a lot of heads. Yeah. This might be a two-horse yeah, no, race I, between Princeton and Harvard. Well, you know, I think one thing that's interesting is that, in and I'm sure this is a game that we would um, – that we'll discuss when we talk about um, the games this weekend that we're excited for is that Harvard opens against uh, Stanford. So, you know, that's a good a litmus test right away to see how good they are. Um, so I'm looking forward to that because I think that'll help at least, you know, we can make a rational uh, conclusions uh, based on one game, but you know, it'll, it should set, it should shed a, you know, a small bit of light on how good they can be. Yeah. Um, potentially that game against Stanford, by the way, happening in China to start the year. That's right. That's it's right. a weird but exciting way to start the year for uh, for Tommy Amaker's club. Uh, an opportunity to get an early win against a Power 5 opponent. I know Stanford's been down the last couple of years, but you know what? Power 5 is Power 5. People are going to notice, um, especially in a game on a national, or I guess international stage, yeah. Like that. Um, also out of conference for Harvard, they play UMass. They play GW. Um, they play Houston. Houston out of the American, they're going to be a very good team this year. Um, they also play Vermont. I think Vermont is going to be better than people are expecting. So they'll have chances to build up a resume before conference play starts. And then, you know, what we're all looking forward to this year, finally, we have an Ivy League tournament happening at the Palestra. Very exciting. And, you know, we, Long we say now, uh, I couldn't agree more. People, you know, have poo-pooed it, saying, you know, oh, but the tradition of the 14-game tournament, uh, blah, 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 yeah. Okay, tradition, but uh, more games is more fun. And Flexor is a great venue. Um, so, you know, too bad. <laughs> I'm <laughs> looking forward. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I hope to be there um, at the Palestra. It'll be four teams. Uh, so the top four finishers. So that is where, you know, maybe... Yale in the course of two games can prove us wrong, or maybe Columbia, who people might be sleeping on. Um, they'll have a chance now. You'll be a part of history, which is cool. And anyone who says that less uh, tournaments at the end of the season is a bad thing, that that just can't be right. That that doesn't compute. <laughs> Though I do, right. I, you know, I respect history, so I think that's uh, probably they've even themselves out with having in the uh, palestra, right? So I think they've, I think they've made well with history, and let's just do it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, while we were blabbing, 
we did have a caller call in, so I would love to see who that is. Are you there? Yes, this is uh, Mark from New Jersey. How are you doing, guys? Hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. How are you doing? Good. Um, now that you guys have uh, made it right around to the end of the top ten, uh, I wanted to call in and chat about uh, my alma mater, my favorite team, the Mama Hawks. Yes. All right. Um, I see you guys have them at 12. Um, they return 88.7% of their scoring from last year. Uh, lost Dion Jones. He was senior, 10.6 boards. But they did play without him towards the end of last year due to injury, went 5-1 and one without him. Um, they returned Justin Robinson, who, like Scucci Smith, uh, has a valid case on why he's not on the Bob Cousy list. Ridiculous. I agree with that. Um, well, and, uh, yeah, go ahead, guys. Sorry. Uh, first of all, I'll say Justin Robinson is one of my favorite players to watch uh, at the at the mid-major level. He's a heck of a lot of fun, and I got to see Monmouth uh, live last year in their in their home gym, and it was an excellent experience. Um, looking at where they stand, first of all, I think everybody ahead of them is a real quality team, and I think Monmouth is too, and they have the potential to move up. They play Syracuse early on. Uh, they get South Carolina. So, uh, and they play Princeton. So they could beat a team that's ahead of them. The thing that, that, that is I why held when you guys against, started talking Ivy yep. League, I wanted to call in about Monmouth because there is quite a large debate in New Jersey over who is New Jersey's best college basketball team right now. And, uh, and it's people Rutgers, say right? Hall. People say Princeton. I was going to say it's got yeah. people say Monmouth. It has to be Rutgers. No, I, I don't think Rutgers it has is to be the uh, mark right now. <laughs> Although Steve Feichel, I think, is going to do a great job there. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. We have to make fun of Rutgers while we can because I don't think that's going to last for too long. <laughs> well, that um, was my favorite. My favorite Monmouth moment last year was when we beat Rutgers. It was just it was unbelievable. Uh, many moments, but uh, as far as this year, I know <laughs> there's no way they're going to go twenty-eight and eight. There's no way they're going to lead the nation in uh, neutral and road wins. And uh, it was ridiculous that both them and St. Mary's got left out last year. Again, the committee leaving out the little guy is just uh, totally ridiculous. But um, South yeah. Carolina is a great, a great chance for them. Syracuse is short on guards. Syracuse only has four scholarship guards. So I think they have a shot in that game because Monmouth has a lot of quality guards. Um, if Monmouth can shoot the three in that right. game, I think they have a shot. And then, uh, conversely, they go to Memphis, and Memphis doesn't have many big guys. Uh, they only have uh, four players on the roster, six, seven, or taller. So um, they really have the two Lawson, Tubby Smith's trying to rework it. Um, I think Monmouth has, and then with the Princeton game, which is actually at Monmouth, I think they have a couple shots here in games where this year we say, well, Monmouth really has a shot in these games, whereas last year we had no idea UCLA, Georgetown, you know, those types of things could even happen, even in the most optimistic of Monmouth fans' eyes. Um, And the big player for Monmouth this year, the big X factor, I just want to get to this, is Jalon Hornby, who was a highly rated rated, uh, high school player. Yeah, went to Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Um, 
he was roommates with Buddy Heald. Uh, kind of got outplayed by Buddy Heald, so he transferred. Ended up at Monmouth. Uh, a um, lot of players begin- were. The beginning of uh, uh, last year, he had a lot of uh, foul trouble. He really wasn't a big factor in a lot of those uh, those big upsets. Towards the end of the year, he really came on. Um, there's some talk that uh, he's going to move into the starting lineup, possibly a uh, small ball lineup or uh, playing the three. And uh, he is the chance that Monmouth has to move into your top ten uh, lives with what he can do because he has the ability to really be a special player. And uh, I thank you guys so much. I'm going to hang up and listen to what you guys have to say about the Hawks. Um, my big gripe, Justin Robinson, I'm on the Bob Cousy list. Scoochie, too, I have all the respect in the world for him last year. They beat us. Uh, Dayton, he's a tough kid. And uh, I really love what you guys do with the site. And uh, thanks so much for the show tonight. Well, thank you. Thank you for calling. Yeah, thank you. Um, thank you for asking about the Hawks because they are, without a doubt, a very fun team and one I have no problem dedicating some time to um, here tonight. First of all, I think you're absolutely right about um, about the snubs from the Koozie watch list. Uh, Greg, I know you wrote about it from the A-10 perspective and Spucci. Uh, Justin Robinson, I think, has just as much of an argument. Ultimately, they have the chance to make their case on the court. Looking at Monmouth's schedule, the only game on there I see – again, that I chalk up as a loss right away is at North Carolina. North Carolina could win the national championship this year. Um, Memphis is a program that is rebuilding, bringing in a new coach, an excellent coach in Tubby Smith, but they are not what they once were. Syracuse, uh, an excellent point about, um, about their guards. And it's just the third game of the season. It's a Friday night at the Carrier Dome. You never know. I, I think Syracuse wins that game. But, you know what, it, it wouldn't shock me. The one thing – And how about South Carolina about, as well? Because I don't – Yeah. And I don't think I, – I mean, for South Carolina, they were – you know, a lot of people thought they were snubbed as well last year from the tournament. Um, but they lose Michael uh, Carrera, who was, you know, I think – kind of the heart and soul of that team and really especially its identity on the defensive end. And I know they have a very good, they have a lot of good guards, large guard. Um, but, you know, you have a really experienced, very good guard like uh, Justin Robinson in a road game for a team that still might be trying to find its identity. Uh, I could certainly see them winning that game. Yeah. Yeah, they, they absolutely could. The, the one thing, I wanted to bring up with you, um, talking about tournament snubs, looking at Monmouth's resume from last year, and it's an argument that's been beat to death over the summer, but I think it's worth bringing up again, is that Monmouth lost to Army and Canisius last year to really – to sub-200 on Ken Palm losses, also lost to uh, Manhattan. Those losses really put a damper on on their resume and to an extent canceled out some of those really good wins. Do, do you think that was the difference in them not making the tournament being one of those first teams 
left out. And did that show that maybe they were a little bit overhyped or they just had a couple of bad games? No, I think I think it certainly is. I think it's just because that margin of error for the small schools is so, so small. Um, you, you, you just right. are not allowed to have an off night, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, and I don't off the top of my head really know. I'd like to compare it to St. Bonaventure from last year because I believe the issue with them was they didn't, they just didn't have, I don't know, I don't think they had the awful losses. However, they didn't have the wins like against UCLA or Notre Dame right. or USC or Georgetown. Um, and I can pop up their schedule real quick. But, you know, I think at some point you have to reward a team that, you know, schedules those games uh, and uh, plays those games. I know some of that's luck as to who's up, who's down in a given year when you schedule a few years in advance. But, yeah, no, there's just no margin of error. So even if you, you know, on one hand the, a committee says, if you don't play those games, we're going to punish you. On the other hand, even if you do, you're not allowed that off, off night. So it's kind of a lose-lose for the small schools from that perspective, which is not which is not a shock, but that's just how it is. Right. Um, and, you know, let's, let's be fair. We, we always say with small schools, you know what, you want to play with the big boys in March, schedule them, beat them, and prove you belong. Well, they went to UCLA. They won there. Turns out UCLA wasn't as good as we thought they could be. They went to Georgetown, won there. Georgetown had a bad year. And I don't think anyone expected Rutgers to be very good, but they were hideous last year. So that win didn't look all that great. So they had some rough luck. Um, at the same time, we wouldn't be having this conversation if they had beaten Iona in the MAC title game. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. So they, they didn't take care of business where they had to, and then they lost um, – in the second round of the NIT to a very good George Washington team. So, you know, this argument goes away this year if Monmouth can go out and win the MAC tournament. Absolutely, absolutely. And it just, you know, just as I go through the schedule from last year one more time, I mean, before that loss to uh, Canassius, they had not played a home game to that point, and that was an away game. Um, They played all the teams they had played ended up being ranked in the top 100 of Ken Palm, uh, beside a Drexel, um, which is a game they won. So it's just, it's a lot to ask the team, you know, but that's just, that's just the reality. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now Monmouth opens Friday night at home against Drexel. That's a game that they should win. Um, so that will be, um, you know, your first opportunity to see this year's, um, this year's version, the Hawks. And on that note, why don't we take a look at the schedule for this weekend, talk about some of the games that we are looking forward to. Friday, again, the first game, or the first night, I should say, of the season. What's sticking out to you, Greg, on Friday? Well, I kind of mentioned it already, but I like Nevada at St. Mary's. Um, that's a game I expect St. Mary's to win because, again, they're returning a lot of guys. Uh, High-efficiency offense, that should roll right into this season. But, again, uh, Nevada is a team that has Cameron Oliver, who's an NBA prospect, uh, Marcus, uh, 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 excuse me, uh, Marcus Marshall, who is a transfer from Missouri State, um, has a lot of talent. Um, so, you know, I, I expect Nevada 
to probably, I don't know that if they'll contend for the Mountain West, but I think they'll be right there with San Diego State. Um, well, I think they'll be right there in the teams that are uh, right uh, behind San Diego State. So I, I think that's a nice West Coast matchup uh, to start. And then one more I'll give you here um, is Chattanooga at Tennessee. Um, Rick Barnes does not yet have that program up and running. Um, he, he lost some important seniors last year. Uh, Kevin Punter, who scored a million points for them. Armani Moore was a very good player as well. So, you know, we know the mocks are going to be good. Um, so I think that's a chance for them to get a win. And they turn around and play UNC on Sunday. So that's a very, you know, I know Tennessee's not great, but it's a road game. Um, they're probably not going to win Sunday in Chapel Hill. So, you know, that, that I think there's an opportunity there for them early on. How about you? Yep. Well, actually, one one game I wanted to get your take on that I'm going to be looking at a little bit on on Friday, and I'll probably end up watching part of it. Uh, LaSalle was playing at Temple in a yeah. uh, a big five game. Temple mm-hmm. will be favored to win that game. I think they will win that game. I'm interested to see LaSalle play this year, and this will be the first yep. opportunity to do that. They had a very down year last year, but they bring in a lot of new pieces ready to contribute, yep. and it's a team that's kind of hard to peg just because of all of the transfers and the, the new guys that they're bringing in. But this will be a good barometer for them early on. Absolutely, absolutely. And they, they certainly uh, took a hit when Savannah uh, Goodman, who was a transfer forward from Arizona State, very good player, um, he left the school in the middle of the summer. Um, had he been there, that really would have been, you know, the one-two punch with him and uh, Jordan uh, Price, but um, inside-outside. But they, you know, as you said, they have a, a – I mean, uh, there's an infusion of transfers there. You you don't know what you're going to get. A lot of returning pieces. I think their main problem last year was a lack of uh, depth. But, uh, you know, uh, Demetrius Henry from uh, South Carolina is going to help fix that. Um so, yeah, no, I think that's a team that has a high ceiling and a low floor. We don't know what we're going to get, and there's a, you know, an emotional game right away. Um, that's certainly exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And Friday night is a night where most teams are playing kind of a lighter schedule on Saturday, a lighter schedule on Sunday. And then Monday night is when ESPN's uh, annual tip-off tournament begins, and that will start um, Eastern time, 6 p.m., with a pair of women's games, uh, UConn's playing Florida State, Texas playing Stanford. Both should be very good women's games, by the way. You start early and watch those. Then we get going. By we, I mean the mid-majors, at 10 o'clock Eastern with Princeton and BYU, then San Diego State, Gonzaga, Green Bay Pacific, and then after that it kind of goes down the tubes for a little bit before Dayton plays Alabama uh, Tuesday afternoon. But it's a loaded schedule. Yeah. Uh, wondering what you're looking forward to there. I think my answer would be Princeton-BYU. Uh, early chance to find out what both those teams are about. And could be a lot of scoring in that game as well. Um, yeah, yeah no, both, I think that both of those exciting. teams. Yeah, that yeah, should be up and down. Both of those teams like like to get up and down the court. Um, they're very uh, efficient offensively. That could be a fun one at 10 p.m. to get things going. 
And then San Diego State, Gonzaga after that. Um, both top ten teams in our poll. Gonzaga number yep. one, obviously. It's in Spokane. San Diego State, um, I'm interested to see what they bring to the table this year. Honestly, I'm not too sure. Looking at um, at last year, 28-10, and 10, went to the NIT. They lose Winston Shepard. I'm not. I'm not so sure how good they're they're going to be. Malik Pope, um, an excellent player, as well. I, I'm excited to see what they bring to the table. Yeah, and that's a team that I agree has a lot of question marks, but I think you can see the ceiling there. Um, and it's one of these teams where yeah. if things fall together, it's the type of team that wouldn't really have a weak spot, right? Like we know they have a great guard and a, and a, and a Trey Krell. Or a Kel, excuse me. Uh, and uh, if a Pope lives up to expectations, you know, he could be taken in the first round. Again, I know he that's not been his a career up to this point, but he's extremely talented. Um, and they have a, a transfer from uh, from Indiana, Max um, Hutzel, I think is how you say his name. But he comes in, you know, with the reputation as a shooter, which over the past few years we know that's not been something that the Aztecs have done well. So again, a lot of question marks, but if things break right, this is a team that you could see advancing pretty far in the tournament, and they certainly have a test of it against Gonzaga right away. Yeah. Um, again, Malik Pope, a guy who pulled his name out of the NBA draft um, last year, looks like a wise move, and he mm-hmm. has a chance to be uh, one of the better players in the Mountain West, a conference that was down last year. Um, looking for a team to assert itself. It could be San Diego State this year. UNLV, of course, is definitely on the rebuild. Nevada should be pretty good. Uh, Fresno State got the tournament bid last year. That's going to be an interesting league to keep an eye on. Certainly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, again, I I like Nevada there uh, because I think they have a lot of talent. Um, but – and I think Fresno State, I know that's something that we caught a little bit of flack on the other day on the uh, Twitter account <laughs> for kind of accounting them out. Yeah, we did. And, but, you know, that they do lose a lot, so it'll be interesting to see how they rebound. But they were very good last year. So if that's the start of something new there, you know, all the better for the Mountain West. Yeah, we, we, took, we took a hit on Twitter for that, and I've said it on Twitter a hundred times, and I'll say it. Again, here, if you don't agree with our rankings, win games. Yep. Win games, prove it on the court, we will notice. The, Up the they go. 25 teams that we have listed right now, I could guarantee will not be the 25 and will certainly not be in that order that we have at the end of the season. It's going to change, and it's going to change yep. a lot. So everyone has their chances I would love to see a whole bunch of teams prove us wrong because that means that it's an exciting year uh, for college basketball, and I'm looking forward to see to seeing um, what all of those teams that we're super biased against and are snubbing uh, can bring to the table. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you um, lose a guy like looking, Marvel Harris, you're not. Yeah, the where we're yeah that's I th- I, th- I I think we're you know, I think we're being reasonable, but if we're not, like you said, it's going to show up. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Now, going back to the marathon schedule, just because I have it up in front of me, talked about San Diego State-Gonzaga. That 2 a.m. game is Green Bay and Pacific. Uh, Hawaii gets their game at 4.15 a.m. because it's in Hawaii. Oh, boy, I do not know how I'm going to stay up for this, but I'm determined to do it. you got to do um, it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try. And we're going you know, we're gonna to be on the air for all of it, right? We will not be on the air for all of it. <laughs> See, I'm making, pro- I'm making promises of now that are going <laughs> to – yeah. <laughs> no, listen, if you want to do it, if you want to do A lot of dead hours, air. It would be a lot of dead air, air, but it would be, uh, be a badge of honor, I think. I, I, not, I won't not stop you. Anyone else would have. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was going to say that uh, Green Bay Pacific game, I think, just has a, has a little bit of intrigue for a few reasons. One being that I know a lot of people like uh, Green Bay in the Horizon League, even though, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of um, upset in there with Alec, uh, even though Alec uh, Peters returned to Valpo, obviously they lost uh, Bryce uh, Drew uh, to Vandy. So, you know, again, I, I expect that that's a, a program that has been successful long enough that that will uh, transition even without him there. Uh, but then also Oakland lost a lot of talent from, you know, a K Felder on, a, on a, a team that was successful last year. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see them. And then uh, Pacific, that is the uh, debut for, uh, for uh, uh, Damon's, uh, Damon Sotomayor. Damon, sorry. Yes, Damon Sotomayor. And, in his right. debut, so I think that's a. Uh, again, he's an unknown, but he's a name, and we've seen in uh, down in Phoenix with uh, Dan uh, Marley, and uh, Grand Canyon, that um, that can work out uh, to some degree. So that's something I'll be watching. Yeah, that's 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 a good call. One game that I'm interested in, and I never thought I would say this about a game that Longwood is playing in. But at 11 a.m., <laughs> they are at Stephen F. Austin. And I don't think it's going to be a great game by any means. Um, I'm just really interested to watch uh, Stephen F. Austin begin this new era in their program. They've been such a dominant team lately in their league. They lose, obviously, you know, Thomas Walkup is gone. Their coach, uh, Brad Underwood, is now at Oklahoma State. It's a the dawn of a new era, and I just want to see them. I just want to see them play and see see what they're all about. And that I have no expectation for them or for that game whatsoever. But I just want to see it, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, after that, Dayton is at Alabama. Dayton destroyed Alabama last year. They also played um, in this marathon, uh, but this time I have to do it on the road. I'm very excited about that one too, and that kind of wraps up the mid-major portion of the schedule before, of course, the, uh, you know, the Champions Classic later in the night, which obviously we're, we're going to watch, of course, because we're basketball mm-hmm. fans. Oh, yeah. You can't miss that. And, you know, uh, Stephen F. Austin still got some love this year from uh, Ken Palm, um, 125 in the, in the initial rating. So um, we'll see how that works out because, as you said, they under Underwood, they did have – the mm-hmm. obvious potential, even though it was, you know, a lot on one very good player in Thomas Walker, but you saw the potential for that next real mid-major power emerging. Um, so we shall see if they can keep that up. 
Yeah, and you know, I I wonder how much Stephen F. Austin, this is thinking long term now. Um let let's assume that they have that they made the right call um in Kyle Keller as their head coach. Let's assume he's the right guy. I'm interested to see if this is a program that can actually um be built as a mid major power. It's we, we talked to Coach Keller earlier in the off season, and he said he wants Stephen F. Austin to be in that conversation with, you know, the Gonzagas, the Wichita State, et cetera. Obviously, they're not there yet. I don't know how possible that is in the Southland Conference where yeah. you're playing and that's what I was Incarnate Word, it, you, New Orleans. Right. You, you, the, yeah, hey, I, I totally agree. Do you, you don't see the resources there. And I think, you you know, it's almost like what New Mexico State has been the last few years in the WAC. And I know the WAC has some emerging programs right. like a Grand a Canyon potentially, Grand Canyon. And, and they have their, and you know that's an intriguing program for, you know, its own issues being a, a for-profit school. But yeah, you know, you know, as we talked about, you know, in the Missouri Valley, it's a solid league, and that certainly helps Wichita State. Um, you know, we know the Mountain West is great. Not, well, not Mountain West, but, you know, West Coast uh, Conference we know is great. Um, I just don't think the resources are there in the Southland for for them to be, you know, consistently tested on a year-in, year-off basis. Um, and that may be wrong, and it may be that, you know, like New Mexico State the last few years, even though they didn't make the tournament last year, you have that, you know, fairly easy path there, and you know that in most years, obviously anything can happen in a tournament, but most years you'll have that shot uh, uh, to have a shot. But, you know, I did, you know from a competitive standpoint, I totally agree. It just it does not seem like a league that would support that. Right. And, you know, here, here's the advantage that the school like uh, – we'll, we'll use Wichita State as an example playing in the Missouri Valley. It's not just about there being other quality teams in there. It's that if you look at the Missouri Valley Conference, they go to – Missouri in the St. Louis area every year to play. They go into Illinois, into the Chicago area every year to play. It's Indiana as well, a basketball hotbed. That conference makes them kind of tour uh, the Midwest and Middle America a little bit. Whereas in the Southland, most of your games are either in Texas or Louisiana in these tiny, tiny gyms. And you're, you're just not getting any sort of exposure. Uh, Gonzaga, yeah. same thing. You're playing all up and down California. You're playing in Oregon and Portland. You're playing, obviously, your home state of Washington. You're getting exposure in the entire Pacific time zone. You, you don't have that uh, in the Southlands, and I think that's big. That's a great point. And that is, you know, and, that's absolutely a great point. And just, you know, as we, you know, as I look at the preseason Ken Palm ratings on the conference, I mean, every team except for the top three is either 284 or lower. And that's, right. you know, there's just, and I guess that goes back to the quality of uh, competition. But it's just, it's not a good outlook. Um, but, you know, they have shown that they can get talent and they can win. So, right. They've shown it, and it, but is it sustainable? That's a great question, and they're certainly operating at a disadvantage now without a great coach until we see that uh, Keller can accomplish what uh, Brad Underwood did there, which is entirely possible, but we'll just have to see. 
Right, and I, I don't want to sit here and rip the Southland Conference. Oh, no, right, no, 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 that's not the, yeah. something else that's that's important to bring up. Um, as, and I thought of this as we were talking about the resources um, that a school like Stephen F. Austin would have. It reminded me of Texas Southern, Coach Mike Davis there. Uh, the SWAC is a similar sort of league where they're playing a lot of 300 to 350 teams um, yeah. that you're never going to get on ESPN, for example. Um, but what he does every year is he plays a bunch of guarantee games where they go to Louisville, Cincinnati, Arizona, Baylor, um, LaSalle, Southern Illinois, all of these schools that not only they're going to be on local TV, but they get a nice paycheck as well. But uh, Texas Southern doesn't play a home game until January 14th because Mike that's Davis incredible. is bringing them around um, and yeah. making a lot of money. And that's maybe appealing to recruits because now you get to play in, you know, the, the Yum Center in Louisville or you get to play at Baylor. That's exciting. You get to travel all over the place and you get a nice little check. And I wonder if a school like Stephen F. Austin, maybe not to that extent because that is a little crazy what Mike Davis does. But, you know, this year they're playing at home against three non-Division one schools. Maybe they do look to take some – some more early losses in exchange yeah. for uh, some exposure, some experience, and some money. Yeah, no, and if you if you accept that an at-large is just not realistic, why not try and improve your team that Which way? Which not. And the program. Right. Yeah, no, it's not. It's right. not. No, absolutely not. But, um, no, I mean, that's another potential avenue to success. Um, and certainly that could be something that they can consider in the future or should consider in the future. Right. Um, we've been uh, labbing for a while now. I'm sure a lot of people have probably tuned out. Um, before <laughs> we go, because it is the beginning of the season, and no one's going to remember this anyway, I'll put you on the spot. We're in an hour right? in here, so, yeah, if, if, well, if anybody's see, still no here, they, they really love us, too, so I don't think you can do any wrong at this point. All right. So I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. It seems like this is a year where it's not going to be a year that belongs to the mid-majors because there's so much talent up top with Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, yeah. Villanova, um, Oregon, et cetera. But once the NCAA tournament starts, we've seen crazy things happen. Give me the one team at the mid-major level that you would pick right now to go to the Final Four, if you have to pick one? Oof. Well, you know, I'll say – I'll kind of hedge here, and I'll do a cop-out for a minute. Um, you know, I'll say – I know. Okay, well, <laughs> see, I'm down to I'm down to three here. Yeah, I think it's between Gonzaga and Rhode Island and San Diego State, but I'll knock off San Diego State because I think you convinced me earlier that there are more uh, – there, there are a lot of question marks there, but – I'll take the most the team with the most sheer uh, talent. Uh, Gonzaga certainly, you know, they've got an All American on their bench in Zach uh, Collins, right? There's there's right. there are no mid majors that can say that besides them, um, and they have experience. I mean, there's a good mix there. Again, I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if they enter conference play 
with, you know, a couple losses or, you know, even three losses. But I I think that that's a team that – I think this is the first thing I said on, on this episode. I think that, you know, when it comes together, their ceiling is so much higher than anybody else. Um, and I think Rhode Island is in that same – in, 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 I think they're in that same vein, and I think it's maybe a little bit safer because all the guys, you know, besides E.C. Matthews last year, but then obviously he was there the year, uh, uh, the year before and the year before that, you know, they play together. Um, I don't think they're as talented as Gonzaga, but, you know, I'll say Gonzaga, but I'll, I'll hedge by saying if there's another team, I think it's Rhode Island. And that's, now I've got to ask you the same fair. question, too. <laughs> and you can't say Gonzaga I, because I took that. Yeah, I, I was no. I was going to say Gonzaga. Don't be a copier. And I I won't, but I, I'll give you my reason for Gonzaga. Anyway, it's because the last the last two years, just luck of the draw, I've been called on to write the uh, season preview for them uh, for mm-hmm. SB Nation. And I I was writing this year's, and I remember looking at their roster. And going, all right, so, you know, you'll start Williams Goss. You'll start uh, Perkins in the in the backcourt. Got Matthews. Got Karnowski, who's now healthy. And I was just going down the line, and I'm thinking, where, where is this team's weakness? Yeah. I just did not see it. And you're right. And they have even a very good bench uh, with Collins and Silas Melson and uh, et cetera. Um, so that's why I think sheer talent, they would be my pick. But if you don't, you're not going to let me go with Gonzaga, then. Taken. Yep, taken. Yeah. All right. Let's see. I'm calling him. No, that's, that's fine. I I like Rhode Island. I like Dayton. Um, you know what? I'm going to go with Dayton. I'm going with Dayton. Okay. They're an experienced team. Uh, no they concerns about very uh, well. Okay. Uh, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, you know, and I love Dayton too, but just playing devil's advocate here, you know, they do have potentially some depth issues in the front court. But it's a great back okay. court, so you know, I could, I could certainly see that. And, and great back courts win in the NCAA tournament. Yes. Yes. Um, do not misconstrued this. I'm not picking them to go to the final four. <laughs> but if you had to give me a non-Gonzaga team that could make the a Dayton. deep run in the tournament, I would not want to be facing the Dayton Flyers. They're also very well coached. They're well yeah, coached. They travel yeah. well. They have an excellent backcourt. Um, and that is a really tough combination to beat. And we just we know that they're good. And they're a very good defensive team. Um, so, you know, yeah, you know you what? Know I'm, I'm talking myself into Dayton. Well, I want to trade you. I want to trade you Gonzaga for Dayton now. So, if you if you if I'll you want that. Gonzaga, okay. <laughs> I still like Gonzaga. Dang it! Call my bluff. Yeah, and that, you know, and I think, and again, I think Dayton could be very good this year too, and go very far in the tournament. And that and that leads to the question then: How long is Archie uh, Miller going to stay there, right? Um, because oh, we're well, starting to reach the point now. now. And I can't, you know, I can't off the top of my head. I don't. I don't know the job that he's he's potentially turned down or that or that he's talked to, um, but we're starting to reach the point now where they, you know, he's had so much success there and he's still there that, you know, you start to hope as, as a fan of, of uh, mid-majors that maybe he's the next Mark Few, right? Because 
as you just said, all, all those reasons with kind of the infrastructure there with like the fan support, um, that's a place you can win and win for a long time. So it, it, it certainly yeah. wouldn't be a surprise if that's, if that's just where he stays. It's, it's possible. I'm trying to think of which, you know, high major jobs could open up in the next couple of years that would make a real run at him. I'm not sure. That's off the top Missouri. of my head. I, mean, I, I don't know how he turned down Missouri. If they, if they, I'm joking. That's completely a joke. I, I was wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> no, I'm, a, um, that, I'm just being a Missouri alum. That would be, that'd be great. But um, that's, <laughs> no one should be going to well, Missouri now. So, yeah. The thing is that the Dayton job is probably better. Not, not maybe not yeah. in terms of money, but it's better than a lot of high major jobs. Again, the support, yeah. the dedication to basketball at that school, Ohio, um, good recruiting territory as well. Um, and the eight times an excellent league. So, you know, it's, uh, Archie Miller's in a, in a pretty good position. And, yeah. you know, think about Shaka Smart. He went to yep. Texas, which is, you could argue that is the best job in the country behind, you know, Kentucky and Duke because of yeah. the resources that Texas has. Um, I mean, that school is loaded. It's in Texas, which has excellent basketball talent, maybe more so now than ever before. Um, and that can, I mean, if, if Shaka plays his cards right, he can do outstanding things there. I don't know if there's a job like that that's, going to open up in the next couple of years for Archie. He might be staying at Dayton. And, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe we're just uh, – maybe that's just wishful thinking for us. Um, but it's possible. Yeah. I think Dayton's a good All right, you think we've, uh, you, you think we've bored people enough here? I – if, you know, if we haven't, then we probably should have. But you know, this has been <laughs> a lot of fun. And – you know, the fact that we got a caller, I'm going to call that a big success. And that was really fun. So I'm hoping that's the start of, you know, a lot of those. That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. And especially considering we didn't really promote this that much because I admitted I do not know what I'm doing um, with the, um, you know, with the provider that we're using here. It's, I think, gone very well. Well, we'll upload this to the site. You could listen to it there. Um, season starts on Friday. Starting on Friday, we are really ramping up our content on the site. We're going to have everything you need. We're going to be at games. We're going to be previewing games. We're going to be watching games. Um, and we're, we're going to have a lot of fun. We'll be trying to make this a weekly thing here. We're going to do something a little extra for the marathon um, Monday into Tuesday. Stay tuned as we work out the details on that. So until then, uh, Greg Mitchell, I'm Russ Steinberg. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the start of the season. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like taking those perfect new year, new you portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. 
It's the best way to stay connected to everyone you'll heart most in 2019. So get ready to fall in love with iPhone XR on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE to learn more or visit a store today.